Good morning, Sleepy Town. I'm Bo Bartlett, and you're listening to The Art House. Art House Radio, coming to you from way down in beautiful downtown Magnolia, Georgia. Mythical Magnolia, Georgia, a.k.a. Columbus, Georgia. WCUG. 88.5 from Columbus State University. Also heard over on WOHM Radio in Charleston, South Carolina. Glad you're with us this morning on the radio. We have a wonderful show for you this morning. We have Alan Levi as our guest with us this morning. Good morning, Alan. Good morning and happy Valentine's Day. Happy Valentine's Day to you. Yes, Valentine's Day. And uh, first day of Lent. First day after Mardi Gras and Fat Tuesday, this is where we are, moving on into the season, toward the spring, toward Easter. We have a word of the day today. Let's hear it. Word of the day today is ubiquitous. Ubiquitous. Do you know what that means, Alan? I happen to know what that means. Can you give us a definition? Definition means something that is uh, everywhere at the same time. Everywhere at the same time. That's right, ubiquitous. And we also have a quote of the day today. Alan Levi brings us our quote of the day today. What do you got? Mark Twain once said of his own writing, My writing is like water. The writings of the masters are like wine. My consolation is that all people drink water. <laughs> Perfect. Isn't it the truth? Isn't it the truth? <laughs> to introduce you to the audience, you are a uh, multi-talented man. You've got, uh, you've got much uh, experience in many different fields. And so we're going to go into that a little bit today and talk a little bit about your life and what you do. But one of the reasons you're with us today is because of your most recent novel, your first novel, yep. um, which is entitled Theo of Golden. Theo of Golden. All right, wonderful. So we're going to talk about that. We're going to hear some music. We're going to hear some of Alan's music and some of his stories. So um, stick around. We're going to start right in with uh, a song by Alan, Almost Perfect Day. Alan Levi, Almost Perfect Day.
perfect day. Oh, 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 oh. Now, deep down in each of us, love sometimes reaches us with glimpses of the way that life could be. We only get a hint of that for which we're meant A joy that fills all eternity The sound of children singing The love of a faithful friend The touch and the heat of passion The chalice Listening to the Art House. That was Almost Perfect Day by our guest Alan Levi. Alan, tell us just a little bit about that song, if you would. It is a song about longing. Almost Perfect Day, I think most of us could probably pinpoint a handful of those in our lives, hopefully many, but at least a few, uh, when something inside us stirs and we want to put words to it and we want it to last forever. Uh, but unfortunately, at least in my experience, they never last forever, uh, you know. But they point to something maybe that lasts forever. And I, I think for, at least for the musician that I want to be or have wanted to be in the past, uh, I like to stir that longing in people's hearts. I think you do that artistically, beautifully. Uh, you make us ask questions about the big images that you put on canvas. And uh, musically, I kind of like to do the same thing. Mm-hmm. Uh, make people get in touch with something deeper than the superficial, yeah. uh, that, that plane where we live most of the time. Mm-hmm. For sure. Today is an almost perfect day. <laughs> For sure. I mean, today. it's sweet, right? Yeah. I'm, I'm with, with an old, old childhood friend in a beautiful place here to celebrate uh, the gift of art that we both enjoy. We go way back. Way back. We, I mean, I think actually of all the guests I've ever had on the show, you and I go further back than any of them. I will put that down in my journal tonight. <laughs> we, we uh, I don't know. It seems to me, I could be wrong, but I think we met in junior high school. Yeah, that Richard, sounds right. At Richards. That sounds right. We must have been in some classes together. I'm sure. We might have gotten in trouble a time or two together. <laughs> I'm sure we did that too. Hey, Bo, before we go any farther, <laughs> no. I want to thank you. Uh, you know, over the years, really the work part of my life has been traveling. I tell people I sing for free but I will not leave home unless I get paid. That's, that's my job. 
And travel has led to lots of conversations about where I live. Magnolia, mm -hmm. Golden, mm -hmm. Columbus. Yeah. And I, I brag a lot about the, uh, the art community here. And it's, it's really interesting, especially in the Southeast, how many people know that Columbus is something of an art community. And they usually ask, oh, how has it come to be that? And I usually give two answers. One is we have very philanthropic, generous people who support mm -hmm. the arts. Mm -hmm. And secondly, Bo Bartlett. Oh. And uh, I know that I speak for many just in saying to you, uh, thank you for investing so much of your life. You could be anywhere. We all know that. But you, that you have chosen to invest your life and bring your talent here to bless our community has been a real gift to us. So having you and Betsy in town is a marvelous thing. And I just want to say thank you. Oh, Alan, thanks so much. That, that means a lot, and I appreciate it. And, you know, uh, we're all just in it together. Yeah. We're all doing our parts. Yeah. So um, it, it, it takes a village. I would never have guessed when you and I were in junior high school <laughs> or anywhere through high school that Bo Bartlett would one day, number one, be an artist at all. Secondly, an artist of renown. And thirdly, that you would end up back in Columbus. So I'm happy on all of those counts. <laughs> well, Let's see if we can go back a little bit. Let's see. So I, I'm, were you in Miss Box's class? Who was your homeroom teacher? You oh, gosh. Uh, I think Mrs. Booth. Oh, Booth. Okay. Yep. She was a math teacher. Yep. Yep. And I can't remember in the uh, seventh or eighth grade. She was, she was one of the other, but yeah. I don't remember the other. Yeah. Um, well, I remember uh, those were the days for sure. And um, we got in lots of trouble. <laughs> but we, we all hung out together, and we'd go over to Lee Camp's house. That's and right. Jump around on the trampoline. Yeah. Get knocked off. People would be breaking their arms and stuff. Yeah. It was a daily occurrence. Yeah, it was a good thing. Those yeah. were almost perfect days, Bo. Yeah, they were. You, you know? Were, yeah. Really? We, we had, he had two trampolines, if I remember correctly, and, and half of us would get on one and half of us would get on the other, and we'd play like king of the trampoline. So <laughs> last person on the trampoline, last person standing, and you'd hop from one to the other and knock people off onto <laughs> the ground. Right. It was a dangerous game. It's amazing you still have hands. Same for me. <laughs> yeah, adequate for painting or playing guitar, yeah. but uh, somebody was watching over us. And um, I remember, too, and I've told this story, actually, on Art House before. Uh, one time, uh, when I was 16, my father gave me a Triumph TR4, a red Triumph TR4 for my 16th birthday. Huh. I'd learned to drive it by driving up and down in our driveway, and I wasn't very good at driving, and then so I got to take it out, finally, uh, after a couple of weeks, and... Um, I was supposed to have a date with with this girl, and I uh, went over to pick her up, and she wasn't there. Oh my! Yeah, and um, she was my girlfriend at the time. <laughs> and at the time, she was my girlfriend. And then, uh, anyway, so I started driving around town. I didn't know the town very well. Yeah. And uh, what part of town did you live in when you were growing Carson up? Carson Drive, over in uh, Avert Woods. Avert Woods. Yeah. That's right. So I, I, I left where I was supposed to pick her up, and I go shooting through town, driving a little too fast because I was a little mad, probably. I hadn't been drinking. Okay. And uh, I, I, I drive through Avert Woods, and there's this one corner that was too sharp, and I went too fast around the corner. There was some water on the street, a little mm. spring, and, and some sand, and, and I slid into three trees, and I totaled my... Oh, yikes. Yeah, TR4. And uh, so I get out of the car with a broken nose and bloody face, and Roger Wall was with yeah, me and yeah. a couple of other folks, <laughs> more people than should have been in that car. And uh, we walk up the hill to Alan Levi's house. Really? Yes. I don't think you were home. You must not have been home. I you don't must remember. not have been. I'm, I might have been at, with your date. Who knows? Actually, this is where I was heading. I'm going to get there. <laughs> That's where I was going with it. Um, 
your mom opened the door and she was terrified, you know, oh because I was all bloody and I, you know, I was young. I was had long hair. I looked like yeah. a hippie. You know? yeah. I looked like a crucified Jesus, probably, yeah. you know, yeah. blood everywhere and <laughs> my hair all wet and bloody. And so, um, you know, she let me come in and make a phone call and I called my dad and she let me wash up and clean my face in the kitchen sink. But um, it was very nice of, of your mom and. I always, when I think about that accident, I think about the fact that, oh you know, gosh. I went to your house. Um, and then sometime later, as I understand it, uh, you you did have a date with that young woman. Yeah. Um, I guess maybe it was the Sadie Hawkins. It I don't remember. was the Sadie Hawkins. Yes, I remember it. Yes. <laughs> At Hardaway. Yeah. And you still invited me to be on your radio show this morning. <laughs> what a forgiving man. Oh, my God. Well, the reason that it, it, it continued to be a little bit a part of the story was because, you know, years later, I did get married to that. Yes, indeed. <laughs> yes, indeed. So, you know, I, I assume that I'm not sure if I had that accident because you had taken my girlfriend away from me or not. I'm not real sure. But I do know that you wound up going to the Sadie Hawkins with her. And then later on, um, I did get married to her and had three children. And, well, and console life. yourself. You won, you see. To the victor goes the spoils. Well, life changes. You go through many ups and downs. And right. so, uh, yeah. Um, it, we had a good childhood, didn't we? <laughs> I mean, really. We, we, we had kind of a charmed existence as, as young people in Columbus, Georgia. You know, the, back then in the day, you could go everywhere and do everything. Yeah. You could go, you could just walk around. I mean, I walked from uh, my house in uh, Wiracoba to Richard's. You know, that was like a standard, like that's what I would do. I'd walk early to school, and that's like miles. Yeah. Like four miles, you yeah. know? But we just did that stuff, and then after school, we'd walk over to Lee Camp's house, another couple of miles, and then walk back home. That's I mean, right. we just, we roamed everywhere. That's right. It was total freedom. And, and our I'm parents sh- didn't care, nobody cared. And I'm sure you told your kids that you did all of that in the snow. It was in the snow bear. Four fun. miles to snow every morning <laughs> to go to school, children. <laughs> Um, yeah. So, but but now, I mean, I'm thinking now. Did did my did your early experiences with my what became my ex-wife did that um, affect your uh, relationships? Because as far as I know, you have not ever been married. Yet. Yeah, never been married. Yeah, it it must have been a really bad date. I don't recall <laughs> it as that. No, she, oh, she an was almost perfect day. She, she, well, yeah, she was she was a <laughs> lovely person. Yeah, you know, being single, I'm 67 now. Yeah, uh, never had a family. And uh, it's interesting, I was in Afghanistan a few years ago. I lived there for a summer and taught English. And all of the young... I didn't know that. Yeah, it was really interesting. Um, My brother had lived there for five years, and so I went there one summer that he came home. And the young students there, the the boys would always ask me, they were in their early 20s, uh, they they called me my teacher, my teacher, why haven't you ever married? And I would typically tell them I was too young. I just wasn't old enough yet. I was already in my 50s or 60s. But I, I did, on a serious note, explain to them, God's just given me this great contentment with singleness. <laughs> and uh, I've got people who, you know, fill up my time in a very meaningful way. Uh, I think that being alone has contributed a lot to at least the available space for writing and being creative. Uh, it would be hard probably, uh, or I'm sure it's a challenge for musicians who are married. Uh, to balance everything just right, but I've had a lot of free space in my life for being creative, and it's been a been a gift. And uh, and you've got nieces, nephews, yeah. Uh, yeah. children, which you've sort of nurtured right. along the way. Right. I've got three sisters. My brother passed a few years ago. He was also a lifelong single guy. Uh, three sisters, twelve nieces and nephews from them, and now the next generation's coming up. The itty bitties, and yeah. yeah, Uncle Alan gets to spend a lot of time and a lot of money. Them. <laughs> and, Wonderful. And I love it. Lucky kids. I love it. Um, well, I tell you what, let's take a little music break and we'll come back and we'll, we'll talk about your life. Great. 
all of these uh, these instrumentals, at least the first three there uh, that are soundtrack, they all reminded me of Betsy. Oh, wonderful, wonderful. And there's a couple of them, I think, that are on the front end. They're just, you know, just a few piano notes. I love it. I know that uh, when I had lunch with you all that day years ago, she played these really beautiful arpeggios, mm -hmm. but there were moments where she just was very minimalistic, and I thought, beautiful. That was The Secret Life of Daydreams by Jean-Yves Thibaudet. We're here with our guest today, Alan Levi. Alan, tell us a little bit about your, uh, your life. Um, how, how did you move from being a wild and crazy teenager into what happened next in your life? Uh, college, where'd you go to college? Yeah. And what did you study? Yeah, I, I, I left Hardaway High School, 1974. Uh, went to Mercer University for a year transferred to Athens, UGA, uh, got a degree in English, uh, knowing all along I wanted to go to law school and had been told because language was so much a part of, uh, of law that it might be nice to major in one of the humanities. And I don't have much uh, science capacity in my head, I don't think, and I don't like numbers. So words and story uh, were nice. Got my degree, went to law school, graduated in 80, came back to Columbus, practiced law for 10 years. Uh, very full-time, uh, just around the corner from here. And then um, in the early 90s, I went to Edinburgh, Scotland for a couple of years, and I got a master's in English literature. I uh, came back home to part-time law for three years, and then in 1996-ish, uh, decided to leave law practice and see if I could make a living as a musician. My expectations of that were very low, mm -hmm. but... Uh, uh, providentially was able to make a, a, a living at it and did it for 20-something years. What, what, what prompted a, a change from law to um, <clears throat> writing? A number of things, Bo. Or, or was it writing at that point? Or was it, what did you want to do at that point? Yeah. So uh, let me go back to, to what we were talking about a few minutes ago. Being a single guy with no responsibilities and no debt, it was easy to think outside the box. Mm -hmm. And I've, I have always had a desire to write music. 
Uh, never had any training for it. But I thought, well, I'm going to give this a, a go. My dad had often told me he passed up a chance to play uh, semi-pro baseball, and he's always wondered what if. And so when I was toying with the idea of going into music, I went to him, and he said, absolutely, do it. That, you know, that's the famous uh, Freud quote. The Freud quote is, uh, the most single motivating factor for one is the unfulfilled dreams of the father. Right, right. I had that myself. Yeah, yeah interesting. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, God bless him. My dad was and, and is uh, very affirming of all the creative work that I do. And so, you know, I thought, I'm, I'll, I don't know how to do this. And I was already, what, 40 maybe, mm-hmm. uh, and nothing cute about me. So there wasn't any market appeal to what I did. But I thought, I'm going <laughs> to. No, I don't know. I disagree. Well, you're kind. But I'm going to give this a shot. And so, 96, the Olympics was in Georgia. That's I was right. able to get some work with the Olympics. And then. Played some gigs with Young Life around the country, mm-hmm. uh, a ministry to high school kids, and it really took off. And so I was able to take a lot of what I had learned as a lawyer, the use of words, the telling of stories, and hopefully some artfulness of persuasion, and put that into music. It's, I still use words to tell stories and maybe persuade people to see things they've not seen before. Mm-hmm. And uh, yeah, so I did that until 2011. When my brother got sick, and I, I shut down everything to care for him, and he lived exactly a year. But after that, I didn't want to travel as much anymore. I was pretty tired of that. So I've, I've continued to do some gigging. You know, I've, I've traveled a bit, uh, but yeah, life has taken some other turns since then. But that's kind <laughs> of the, the flyover. Was there a single motivating uh, thing that got you going into writing music? I mean, other than you know realizing that your father had not done mm-hmm. what he had uh, maybe wished that he had been able to do and yeah. creatively or but was there something was there an event or was there a, so the olympics were here yeah you got into doing some things for them and yeah. you did some young life but um i mean that's a big life change to say i'm going to yeah. stop being a lawyer yeah so I, I think i would have to back up long before any of okay. that mm-hmm. um when i was a young teenager uh, I picked up guitar and started playing, just noodling around with an old beat-up guitar that my dad had in the tool room, and immediately connected with it. Uh, I never really was interested in learning other people's music. Mm-hmm. I did, uh, but immediately I, I started writing, and I can con- continue to write through high school, through college. I was playing a fair bit when I was up in Athens uh, in front of people, and I've never really been comfortable uh, being in front of folks, but I realized this is part of the job if you're going to be a paid musician. Mm-hmm. And so I continued to do that as an undergrad, some in law school. When I started law practice, it shut down, but I continued to keep a guitar out of the case at all times at home. Uh, I haven't had a television for most of my adult life, and with the time that I might have spent watching television, I was always playing and writing. Mm-hmm. And so when I came back from Scotland, that had already been a significant break for me. And I really wanted to stay and get a doctorate uh, in English so I could teach at a university level. Mm-hmm. But it was going to take a long time, and I didn't think I had the, the tenacity for five years of Ph.D. work. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I had already somewhat you know, divorced myself from law practice and realized one can do that and survive. Mm-hmm. And so the second step of leaving law practice to do music was not quite so hard. I think it was just a scratching itch that's mm-hmm. always been in me. I've heard you talk about painting, that it's the kind of thing, it's almost like breathing, you can't live without it. Right. And creativity on some level or another has, has always been that for me. So if it's working in the woods making a trail, 
that's a form of creativity that I enjoy a lot. But music, I've just had a real love for all my life. These little three, four minute stories. And I still write, still play, still enjoy that a lot. Yeah, yeah. Um, and you live up on a farm? Yeah. Farm my, for a long time. Yeah, long time. I've been in Harris County since 92 full time. When I came back from Scotland, okay. uh, I settled there. Mm-hmm. This is a piece of family property we've had since the 60s. Mm-hmm. Um, it's it's mostly timberland, so it's not row cropping or livestock or anything like that. So farm might be something of a misnomer, but it's rural acreage. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's a piece of land that I really, really love. And most of the songs that I've written probably have been born out of the soil there somehow, mm-hmm. you know. Uh, and so I live there still. Uh, I have a place now that I work. Uh, my brother's passing and my mother's passing a few years ago have changed the landscape a bit for me because I, I think I always imagined I would grow old with my brother and we'd take care of the place together. But it's uh, it's all mine and my 96-year-old father uh, wow. now wow. Uh, to take care of. So we're, we're downsizing a bit, but we still have way too much to take care of. And for years, you, you had a kind of men's group or a regular group. I don't know yeah. if it was coming out of like... Um, you know, exactly like Iron John or what, but I think you did sort of have a, a regular, or maybe it was a, a Bible study yeah, yeah. On, on, on the farm, right? Yeah. yeah. Um, I visited one or two of those. Uh, it was too early in the morning for me as an artist to get up yeah. and go because yeah, it was before people went to work, I yeah. think. But uh, tell us just a little bit about that, what that was. Yeah. We still meet. Oh, you do? Really? We'll, we'll meet tomorrow morning at oh. seven o'clock. We've been oh. meeting 23 years now, I think. There's a typical Thursday. 30, 35, 40 guys. Uh, the first time we met, there were five of us, and we just wanted to pray for our high school students. And so uh, we prayed, and it felt like a good thing to do. And the next week, we did it again, and we've been going ever since with very, very little interruption. COVID uh, shut us down mm-hmm. for a while. Mm-hmm. But it's a group of men. Uh, we're all professing Christians. We're at all points on the spectrum, and denominationally, there's a lot of diversity there. But uh, we love each other. We we love the truth that we embrace, and we try to serve the community really quietly below the radar. So we do a lot of work projects. Uh, we do a lot of volunteer work in the community, and and we just enjoy being together. Come see us again sometime. You've continued on working with some young life and working with the men's group, being creative, uh, and just have not looked back. With no, hadn't looked back. Yeah. See, there, I, there, I looked back. There, there, well, I will say this: there are things. Do I, are there things I regret? Yes, there are things I regret. Are there things I wish I could redo, undo? Absolutely. But I think you know I could probably have made a bigger mess than I did the first time around if I if I had a second crack at it. Yeah. But I'm really thankful. That there, there's this beautiful line in the Psalms that David wrote where he says, "The lines have fallen for me in pleasant places," mm-hmm. and uh, I I think uh, that would fit nicely on my tombstone. Nice. Yeah. I, I was I was I was religious in high school. I mean, I think it was the era, you know, Jesus Christ yeah. superstar and that kind yeah. of thing. Yeah. And uh, and I was probably like a, G, a version of a Jesus freak, you know, yeah. and wore a cross and everything. And I and I, I sort of held on to that for a real long time. Yeah. Until the, uh, you know, in, well into my thirties probably. And then at some point, I guess maybe I'm thinking now, what really shook it the most was nine eleven when nine eleven happened. Yeah. I, I think it just like made me really question my God concept. And, yeah, and, and at some point I started to look at other options and other things, Buddhism and other things and think, well, you know, like, and I just became more sort of like hunt and peck and like, and let go of the sort of strong aspect of, of my faith. Not that I don't like, sure. you know, still have some relationship, but, but it's, uh, I, I let go of the sort of 
and I, even though when my kids were growing up, I took them to church and everything. Yeah. You know, like, but I just let go of sort of like the label, I think. Yeah. And yeah. Uh, moved into being more free range. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so a little bit of everything, you know, I take it all in. It's sort of Joseph Campbell, power of myth kind of thing. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah well, let me say this I, I, I watch your life from afar. Uh, there's a lot of Jesus in Bo Bartlett. Mm hmm. And uh, it is it is unmistakably there. When I was in Afghanistan, my students and I would have conversations about Islam and Christianity, yeah. and very friendly conversations, I might add. Um, and they would ask me why why that? Why, why do you embrace that? And, and I would tell them that uh, before I became a follower of Christ, uh, I had kind of come to this understanding or belief that the highest aspiration of any of us is to love well, mm. love people, love the earth love the gifts that are entrusted to us. And I think that what changed for me when I was 22 is that I was able to find a, a definition of love that was supreme, uh, that being the Easter message, the cross. Um, and so that that's kind of the pivot for me. This is how we know what love is. Jesus Christ laid down his life for us is what the book says. And whenever I think, okay, what is love supposed to look like, I, I gravitate back to that place. Uh, but the labels are extremely, and I mean extremely bothersome to me. Mm -hmm. And I have a real hard time uh, wearing the t-shirts or the branding or any of that that has now been, to me, mistaken for faith in Christ. Yeah, it's a complicated time for sure. It is. As, as everything gets politicized and uh, yeah. co-opted, yeah. um, for sure. Um, well, listen, I think it's probably a good time for a music break. Let's do it. Uh, and we'll come back on the other side and uh, talk more and talk about your, your novel. Let's do it. Follow your gem, your white feathered 
Sufjan Stevens, John, my beloved. Oh, wow. Right? Yeah. Yeah, it's complicated stuff. He gets in there. He's not afraid of it. And I think it, you know, what's wonderful is the way he sort of uses his faith as, as a, a starting point for, yeah. for all the complexities of what yeah. it means yeah. to be alive as a human being. That, that's a song that has to be read, I think. Yeah. 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 That's right. What was it the phrase, the fossils that fall on my head? Yeah, right. These old bones that follow us around and just we get buried under them. Gosh, what an image. Yeah, yeah. Wow. incredible. You could paint that, Bo. <laughs> I know, right? Yeah, yeah. It'd be hard. It'd be good. Um, so, yeah, I think that, you know, how we, how we use our um, creativity and the energy that f- wants to flow through us and yeah. how we use it, uh, you know, to bring manifest out into, into the world, to bring things, objects, music, writings yeah. into the world yeah. is, is a, a responsibility. Yeah. You know? And um, I think that we 
try to channel the great energy in a way that uh, you know makes the world a better place yeah. and yeah. makes uh, you know isn't uh, didactic or isn't laying it out there in a kind of uh, palatable way, but to, to make us question and think yeah. and and progress in a way yeah. where we're, we're questioning like what is this really? Yeah, you know? yeah, and and, and uh, trying to push past the pat answers and, and say what are we really doing here and why are we here yeah yeah you know and, um, so I, I go to a little uh sunday morning gathering of an african-american church i've been going there 16 years now wonderful. and we sing the simplest songs typically acapella <laughs> typically very loudly uh and and it's a lot of fun but there's one song we sing let it be real and there aren't many more words to the song than that, but it's one of my favorite songs because I find myself kind of going back to it frequently uh, during the week just to say, gosh, I hope that my kindness to this person or my desire to be excellent in my work is real. Mm -hmm. And it's not just I'm trying to, you know, dig out from the bones in some superficial way. I want this to be real. I want my love to be real, and uh, that's wonderful. I remember one time um, I was at the Pennsylvania Academy. This was probably back 2003 or four. Uh, I had a big exhibition, traveling retrospective show, mm -hmm. which actually started in Columbus, but it wound up at the Pennsylvania Academy. And um, I was I had to speak in front of hundreds of people, like maybe 500 people, were mm -hmm. in a rotunda, and. Um, I was a little bit nervous. I had no, <laughs> nothing planned whatsoever. Oh, wow. And I remember, you know, going up, uh, I had ridden my bike there and I was late. Everybody was waiting oh, and I was God. sweaty and uh, I ridden my bike like 12 miles to get there. And I, I just remember walking down the hallway from behind that there was sort of like a green room and I was walking down. I remember thinking, and I said a little prayer. I was like, oh my gosh, what am I going to say? Oh I remember gosh. having this thought, like, what oh, am, you know, gosh. and it was like a little prayer upwards, like, oh my, like, help me. Yeah. And, and the words came clear as day, the words came be real. Be real. Yeah. Yeah. Tell and your that, story. That was it. It was like once it said be real. I was like, okay. And everything, all the fear dropped away. Right. And I was just like, I just went out there and I was, I was real. And I, and it, you know, it was fine. Everything was fine. And you were the but only the, one. You the were the only. Were, you were the only one alive who could do, give that talk. Right. It was right. Bo. It was yeah. your story. Nobody else has that. So you know, the, the, the universe said be real. And so I, yeah, and that, sweet. That's that's really. It's all, it's all we can do. You know, I think, um, and and so not try to. Uh, cover up or you know project something that's yeah. not not. Really it's all we should do. Sorry. I think I think we can do <laughs> to our great peril. Yeah. A lot of things other than that. I, we, I think we are amazing frauds uh, if we're not careful. I'm an amazing fraud I, if yeah, I'm not you. careful. You know what, you, you know what I mean. And so the idea of being real, you know, let my love, let my kindness, let my joy, let my sadness, let all of that be real. Let my longing be real. Right. Uh, gosh, that just leads to such a rich life. Yeah, I want to hear uh, another piece of your music if we have have we if we have time. Sure, are we okay on time? Hey, he tilts his head a little bit, but I, I would like to hear um, another song of yours. Speaking of that, the, the No Good Reason Blues. Yeah, is that okay? Would that be sure, okay to hear that? Be great. Thank right, you. Let's let's hear that. Um, it's got a um, all of your music has some influence of I think a little James Taylor and yeah. a little David Wilcox and sure. that kind of thing, um, and. Um, I think those were influences when you were coming along. You no know? doubt. Um, but I, I love your voice, and I love uh, Thank you. The, the, the messages that you send. So let's, let's hear a little of the No Good Reason Blues. I can't explain it Everything is going my way 
should be jumping with joy Life is more than okay I don't understand it Why I feel the way I do I woke up this morning Big blue sky from the start But down inside me It's all cloudy and dark Don't know what I'm gonna do, no With these no good reason blues I got good friends who love me And I know their love is true I got a house out in the country I got a porch with a view Got a wonderful family I got good work that I like to do Should be counting my blessings And I count them, I do I'm not complaining Dear Lord, I am thankful to you I just don't know what to do With these no good reasons Don't feel like walking No need to talk it all through I think I know what is going on yeah. I just got a burden The same burden as you I'm just a child who misses home It might take an hour might take a couple of days Maybe a little kindness Is gonna drive it away Don't call the doctor oh. There's not one thing that he can do You might say that I'm lonely You might say I'm hungry for love you might call me homesick Call me all the above Lord Jesus, carry me through These no good reasons No good reason to lose I got a bad case Of those no good reasons You're listening to The Art House on WCUG and WOHM. I'm Bo Bartlett, here with Alan Levi, who wrote that song, No Good Reason Blues. There's a lot of influences there. You could hear a little James Taylor, probably, a little David Wilcox, maybe even a little Randy Newman. And 
yeah. What a compliment. Wow. Yeah, the Holy the, Trinity. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I think good stuff. Good stuff you got going there. So, um, you know, I think I'd like to get into your writing now. You, you know, you've, you, you were a lawyer. Well, you were first like a, a high school rambunctious kid stealing right. my girlfriend, and then <laughs> then you were you went to Georgia and you were a lawyer, and then you were a singer songwriter yeah. for many years, storyteller, and uh, with many projects like Rivertown and others, uh, were really very successful. And you traveled around and influenced a lot of people, Bebo Norman and other young musicians. Um, and and now you've uh, transitioned into being a novelist with your first novel, uh, Theo of Golden which is out, and I recommend everyone reading it. A wonderful book. Thank you. Um, tell us a little bit about how it got started. I know it's so much about Columbus, yeah. Golden, Magnolia. Yeah. Tell us a little bit about how you got going with it, and um, you don't want to be a spoiler and tell us about the end because people need to read it. Right. But yes. uh, tell us a little bit about how it Yeah, so, uh, Bo, as the crow flies from where you and I are sitting right now, just probably two or 300 yards, if that, there is a coffee shop. On the walls of the coffee shop are 92 portraits uh, that our mutual friend Gary Pound has rendered and uh, displayed there for the last few years. I was waiting in line uh, a few years ago to get my coffee, looking at the portraits, many of which are unsold. And I thought to myself, wouldn't it be fun to buy all of the portraits and deliver them to the people who are depicted in them uh, and just make a gift uh, of, of the drawings? And so I actually bought five of the portraits that oh, wow. day. Wow. And I thought, I'm going to try to write a story about this. I've wanted to at least try my hand at a novel or a, mm-hmm. a, a novella for a while. And so I started writing uh, with no idea what the storyline was going to be. But I had heard for so many years that many writers just start with a situation and see what happens. Mm-hmm. That, that worked somewhat. I wish now in hindsight that I had at least outlined something of a story <laughs> so I would have some guardrails to work in. I just wasted a lot of paper for the first year, honestly. But I was entranced by the process of writing. I was learning something new, and I thoroughly enjoyed it. Did you write by hand, or did you write on a computer? By hand, okay. everything by hand. Uh, first generation, anyway. Uh, that's the only way I can process words. I've tried computers. Uh, I write it, I type it. Uh, into the computer, I print it, I do my edits by hand on the printed copy. Uh, so first generation is always with a, a pen in hand. Um, but I loved the process and I fell in love with this character yeah. that was my central character in the story. And I think part of the impetus for writing the story was that we were in what I think has now been a prolonged season of anger and, and really unkindness an inability of people to to talk across any kind of different lines. And I thought a story about kindness might be timely. Um, And so, anyway, I started writing, and these characters started bubbling up. And while I was writing, I had the five portraits I had bought. So there was Ellen, Mm -hmm. there was Basil, Hmm. there was Manette, there was Tony. Hmm. And uh, and I was able to kind of interact with those visual images, the, the kind of things that you and... Uh, and great artists produce. I mean, these people came to life in my in my writing room, uh, and it, it it was done in fits and starts. I'd write a while, I'd stop. I'd write a bit more. Sometimes I take six months off. Uh, but last, well, two years ago, I said, okay, I'm setting a deadline, November of 22, I think. Mm-hmm. I'm going to finish it. Whatever I've got, then it's going to be the book. 
and I had no uh, intentions of publishing it. I was just going to finish it, put it in the drawer, and say, okay, this was my writing tutorial, my master class. But I let some friends of mine read it, including your nephew, Bart, Mm -hmm. and they were very affirming and uh, even insistent that I do something with it. So I polished it up a bit, and there it is. Wow. Yeah. Well, it's a wonderful novel, a wonderful first novel, for sure. Thank you. Thank you. uh, I mean, are you... Uh, is <clears throat> who are your influences? I mean, I think Wendell Berry. I feel a yeah. little Wendell Berry in there, but yeah. uh, and and I'll have to say, I prefer this. Dare I say, <laughs> I prefer this portrait of Columbus, Magnolia, Golden. I prefer this to uh, Carson McCullough's sort oh of you know, carny version world of you know, which has got her characters that are always a little yeah. off, you know. Yeah. But um, you, you paint a picture of Columbus, and maybe it's just because it's contemporary Columbus and I know it, And yeah. uh, but you, you paint a beautiful picture of Columbus. Yeah, well, thank you for that. I, I share your affection for this place. You and I both know the brokenness of our community. Mm-hmm. There are lots of problems here, and I think that's probably generally true of everywhere. Uh, and maybe Carson McCullough, because of her background and her story, uh, it was just a, a, a natural well, you know, lens that she saw through that maybe put our, our community in a not-so-positive light. Mm-hmm. I think, too, you know, coming out of the Flannery O'Connor mm-hmm. sort of tradition, the Faulkner tradition of Southern literature. Thomas Wolfe. All of that. Yeah. Uh, I, I think that, uh, that that whole mindset that you could look at the grotesque part of the community and and put that in art which is wonderful and is done beautifully um that's just not in my soul or my psyche i really wanted to celebrate the parts of the community that i love and i hope that it's an honest enough book Mm -hmm. that it doesn't um, paint a fanciful notion or uh, make straw people right no yeah it's not like sticking your head in the sand it's it's totally you you feel you know, with the, the homeless, and you you feel yeah. uh, the the complexity of the characters, um, and I think that you know, no one's judged, and uh, no one is uh, you know made small, or everybody is presented. Wow. And uh, and and I th- I found so many interesting. You know, I mean, there were aspects of the char- main character that were you, I think. You know, <laughs> and and I think about you know Gary Pound, yeah. obviously, and his mother, yeah, uh, being a big part of, of the tradition of art in Columbus, and right. and Bruno Zupan in some ways. Yes. You know, I thought of Bruno as yes. like he could almost be that version of that lead character yeah. of yeah. Uh, Theo. So. Um, did you just in your mind combine them all together? Did you think of yourself as the lead character? How did you how did you pres- how did you uh, go about creating the character? Yeah, I, I never I never thought of myself as the lead oh, character. Mm-hmm. The fact that Theo likes birds mm-hmm. and likes art and books, those sorts of things, are no doubt an, an outgrowth of who I am. Those are the things that I felt comfortable writing about. But I would never attribute to myself the virtue that I think he had as a character. Um, the characters pretty much came out of, of thin air. Mm-hmm. I mean, I'm sure they are a composite uh, over a lifetime of people who I've known. But I didn't have any particular person in mind. I really looked at the portraits and just kind of let my imagination go, which was a lot of fun. The, the, the book is sort of a mystery where it's a mystery to be solved in a way as you're reading. Mm-hmm. You know, uh, Theo is doing these things. He's, he's uh, uh, buying these portraits off the wall yeah. of the coffee shop and presenting them to the different people that they are drawn from um, that the artist is drawn but it's always in the back of our mind it's like who is this guy and yeah. you know how did he get here in, in this little southern town and <laughs> why 
Yeah. yeah these yeah. are the questions. It's, yeah. So it's a mystery that by the end we do solve. Yeah. You do solve. Yeah. But um, it, it's what keeps us keeps yeah. us going. Hey, I, I'm really flattered that you read it. I know that you are uh, an attentive and uh, critical reader. So the fact that you finished it uh, is a real feather in my cap. I'm I'm very honored. By <laughs> oh that. well, thanks, Alan. Thank no, beautifully done, really beautifully done. And you know, I I uh, was engaged all the way through. There was moments where I was like, okay, now where is this going? Like, yeah. I was very curious about how you were going to get 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 there. <laughs> um, and so I was very pleasantly uh, pleased at the end and surprised and yeah. uh, just honored to 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 know you. And um, thanks for thanks for writing such a great book. Thank you. Theo of Golden by Alan Levi. Well, Alan, I think we're going to wrap up here. And uh, I think uh, you, you presented a song. You've DJed a little bit here, there, here today. You chose some of the music. So um, I think we'll hear that Liz Wright song, Get oh, Together. Oh, my gosh. A song from the 70s when we were in high school. Yes. But, but her version is just gorgeous. Oh, the so, best. Yeah. So let's, to me, it's the best. Let's go out with that, and then we'll have, a little, uh, we'll have a little outro. That's great. Bo, thank you so much. Alan, thanks for being here. Yep.
Just like that, we've come to the end of another Art House, Art House Radio. That was Get Together by Liz Wright. Get Together, chosen by our guest today, Alan Levi. Alan, thanks for being with us today on on the radio. Um, We had a rundown real quick. We're going to run down our playlist. We started with Frolic by Jake X. Fussell, and then Almost Perfect Day by Alan Levi, and then The Secret Life of Daydreams by Jean-Yves Thibodeau. Then we heard Sufjan Stevens, John, my beloved. And then Alan Levi with No Good Reason Blues before winding up with Get Together by Liz Wright. What a beautiful version of Get Together. Mm-hmm. Man, that's that's what it's all about right oh, there. So good. What a great choice. Thanks for choosing that. Um, behind us here is Pop Shalom, Him for Her. I want to thank show Arakawa, producer engineer extraordinaire for manning everything and making it happen and trent miley thank you trent for being here part of the art house team well alan if you had to say one thing to a young person coming up wanting to be creative and wanting to be an artist writer lawyer musician novelist anything what 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 words of advice would you have to dispense be brave and uh go into it with a heart full of love Mm. That's right. I love it. Why do it in the first place? Yeah. To uh, spread the love. To let the love flow through you out into the world. We need it now more than ever. You have to be brave to do it. Amen. Yeah. I want to thank everyone for listening today. Thanks for being here with us on The Art House. Thanks, Alan Levi, for being our guest. Thank you. Keep it up. Amen, you too. Thanks. Looking forward to the second novel. Amen. It's on the way. All right, great. (laughs) Can't wait. Thanks, everyone, for listening. Thanks for everyone in uh, Magnolia, beautiful Columbus, Georgia. Thanks to everyone in uh, Charleston and out there on the interwebs, wherever you are. Hope you get a chance to be creative today, get in your studio, make some work, write write your music, write your song, tell your story. We all have our stories to tell. 
Don't be afraid. Be brave. See you right back here next week on The Art House. Thanks for listening. Love and light, y'all.